I love you all so much, and more than I can ever put into words. Um, this is a very pra- we're in a very practical place in the Word of God. Would you turn with me to First uh, Timothy chapter five? It is good to see you all. Wasn't the worship music just amazing? Yeah, I thought that I thought that just the time to worship the Lord and and just uh, uh, we we had a, a Friday we were at. Uh, at Jeff Ochoa and, and, and his lovely wife's home, and, and we had a time of worship, and we had uh, worship the, uh, for, the, for the children, and we had worship for men's group, and uh, the Korean, uh, Korean ministry was there, and, oh, Mark, I'm going to get out into trouble. You should, you should be able to help me on this. But the men's group, the, the children's group, the Korean, and then just worship, and that was it pretty much. Oh, Rooted, too, I guess, and we just uh, did it all. It was such a fabulous time. Really just had a great, great time. Just singing and praising the Lord outside in the, in the evening uh, uh, night. It was just a great, great time. And I wish you all could have been there. It was just very, very special. Um, I want to talk to you this morning uh, about uh, the practical matters. You know, I tell you that we uh, do not duck or hide away from uh, any part of Scripture. We, we Whatever comes our way, we try to study. Well, as you, you'll be able to tell today, if, if you look at, the, if, if you look at the, the title, it's Caring for Widows, and if you'll note, I'm, I'm, we're doing 16 verses. I don't know when is the last time I ever went through 16 verses, but it's, it's so practical that, that, that you really can't hardly separate it, and, and, it, and it, it does all fit together, and it, it, it shows the church as a family. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I took a look at a commentary, and it was really, a, I saw a very interesting um, uh, study just on just the different names of the church and, and the different functions of the church, and as our Lord names the church in different fashions. I, w- I would love for you to, uh, you're in First Timothy, I know, but turn to the right and find First Peter. It's just a couple of pages to the right. You'll go past uh, uh, the, the book of Hebrews, and you'll go past James, and then you'll find First Peter. And look with me at First Peter chapter 2. I want to show you one of the greatest blessings that, that is mentioned with, within Scripture, that you and I have the privilege of being uh, called a holy nation. We are, we are, we are called a, a priesthood. And, and I want to start like in verse 4. I don't do this very often, but I, I just want to start in the kind of just the beginning of chapter 2 of 1 Peter. And, and I want to read to you the, the blessings that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. It says in verse 4, And coming to him as to a living stone, rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God, you also. Now, that's a great two words. You also. I mean, he... He just, Peter just explained our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this, this living stone, this precious stone, this stone that was rejected by man. And then Peter says, you also, as living stones, talking about us, as being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. It says from the Old Testament out of the book of Isaiah, 
It says, Behold, I, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. And then he mentions the other side of the, of the coin, for those who do not believe. This stone which the builders rejected, this stone became the very cornerstone, a, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. It says in verse 8 in the second half of it, for they stumbled because they were disobedient to the word. You might want to note that. They stumbled because they were disobedient to the word. And to this doom they are also appointed. But it says in verse 9, you are a holy, you are, excuse me, you are a chosen race, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's talking about us. We see in First Peter, there's, there's, a, there's a, a number of verses that I put aside. You really don't need to turn to each one of them, but I would I would encourage you to maybe, if you have a tendency to do this, to make note of them so that you might look at them later. But as it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, from verses 5, exactly, verse 4, as we just read through verse 9, we are a holy nation. It emphasizes the common citizenship that you and I have with our Savior, Jesus Christ, as we will one day be usher, ushered into our heavenly home. We're also called a priesthood. It emphasizes the privilege that you and I have to, to take a, and, 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 and go into an, a, a direct access, if you would, to Jesus Christ himself. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10, we are called, the church is called a kingdom. It emphasizes our common submission to Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of lords and King of kings. In John chapter 15, verse 5, we are called a vine. It emphasizes this common connection we have to Jesus Christ, He being our, our very access to life itself and, and the, the ability that you and I have to bear fruit in and through our lives by the special spirit gift that He has given to every one of us who believe. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, we are called a body. It emphasizes our dependency upon Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, we are called an assembly. It is, it is the, emphasizing the common calling that we have to gather together. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, the church is called a flock. It emphasizes the common need to be led and to be fed by our Savior, the great shepherd Jesus Christ in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 20 to 22 Paul calls us the church a temple it is the the temple that is built upon the rock solid foundation of the apostles who gave us the word of God with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone within this temple 
that we are called the church. Well, here in 1 Timothy chapter 5, we see the church fits another title. It is really the, the title of family. The calling of the church of a family speaks of the intimacy that we ought to have with one another, the care that we have for one another, the openness that we have, the, the love that we have for one another. Jesus Christ said it best concerning the believers. He said in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he says this, A new commandment that I have given to you, that you would love one another. And then he tells us how. Even as I have loved you, so you should have love for one another. It says in verse 35, By this all people, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That ought to be the attitude of our church. Love for one another. Love ought to be the very backbone of the family of God. Whether it be in your own family to love one another or within the church. Saw a great example of love for a family uh, last Sunday after church. Got to, uh, got to do a wedding. For Jenny, for Jen and, and, and Wes Van Fleet. And the love I got to, ex to experience was not only the love that for the two of them, as, as we were going through the service, the way they connected and looked at each other was, it's one of my favorite things to do as a wedding. Just the way they looked into each other's eyes. It was, it was priceless. But afterwards, uh, when we were having a, a bite to eat, Dave Thomas got up and spoke of his daughter. But then he spoke of uh, his love for his wife. He says, if, I'm going to misquote you, but he's going to basically said, if, Wes, if, if you and Jen have just half the love that I have for Mary, something like that, pretty close, You'll be very fortunate. Or that Mary has for you? Oh, yeah. I forgot. That's right. That Mary has for you. And I saw the love of a family that just was amazing. From Ashley, who was in the wedding, to Chris, who was a part of it. It was, a, it was just a, a remarkable day. And now today, this afternoon, so many of you do not know this woman, but um, you, you, I wish you could have. Margie Rich, who is um, a dear, 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 dear saint over at Yorba Linda Friends Church. When I first became the pastor there, Margie was, was one of the rock-solid foundations of that church. and She had a love for Jesus Christ like few, few women I have ever known. And um, we're going to bury her uh, today. At least have a service for her today. And and uh, Margie had already gave me my marching orders. I'm, um, I'm to preach the gospel. And I'm to have people come to Christ if possible. And um, I'm not to mince any words. And so her daughter said, My mom wanted you to do the, do the, the service. 
she wouldn't uh, let anyone else do it. And um, she wanted you to preach the gospel. And I promised Winnell, her daughter, that I would be honored to do that on behalf of Margie, but on behalf of our Lord. And when I think of, um, of uh, the privilege and, and the ability to, to do a wedding and then, uh, and then also to do a memorial service, It is really special to do it for someone who really knows and loves the Lord. For those of you that see uh, Bill and Dolores Morris this morning, you might want to uh, give your condolences to Dolores. Her mother just passed away just the other day. And then Kent and, and Debbie Pleak. The other afternoon... They hadn't seen their daughter in a couple of days, and Kent went to see her at her home, and he opened the doors to find her laying uh, dead. Um, he said to me the other day, he said, uh, I said, how can I pray for you? I said, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know how, to, I don't know how to, to do this. I haven't had to bury a child. I hope I don't have to. I hope I get to go first. And... Um, he said, just pray that the Lord will allow me to get that vision I have, the last vision I have of her out of my heart. And I said, I will. I will. So if you see Kent and Debbie today, and you know them, give them also your condolences. And it fits into who we are as a people. It fits in who we are as a church. We're a family. We're a family of people who hopefully just love each other. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, Jesus said. If you have love for one another, and if you wonder how we're to love, then we're to love as Jesus Christ loved us. It's a tall task, but it's possible. It's possible. It's possible because, gentlemen, we as husbands are to love our wives like Christ what? loves the church. And we can do that. We can love our wives in that fashion. We can love each other in that fashion. And so the, the very backbone of a church is, is family. And so Paul deals with that here in the fifth chapter of 1 Timothy. He deals with first and very briefly how we are to love the older and the younger men and the older and the younger women within our church. He only takes a couple of verses for that, but as soon as he gets into verse 3, from verse 3 to verse 16, as we're going to look at today, he talks about how we as a church, especially we as men, but not only just men, but we as a church, how we are to care for the widows of our church. I think of um, Karen Gilbert, especially at this time. She is one of the dearest saints of this church. And she comes here hurting every week. Her body just hurts. And it's gotten so bad now that she can't come right now to church. You ought to lift her up in prayers, too, if you would. Karen Gilbert, one of the dear saints of our church. 
And so in, these chapter, in this chapter, and from verses 3 to 16, we're going to see what, how we're to care for the widows of our church. But as you read through this with me, I want you to take note that, that the widows are also to care for themselves, and so are the, some of the women to care for those who are widows, so as to take the burden off of the church. It's, it's how the church works. We all help one another. We all fit together to encourage and lift each other up, just as a family would. So read with me, please, um, verses 1 through 16 of chapter 5 of 1 Timothy. Paul begins by telling us and Timothy, Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, and to the younger man as a brother, to the older women as mothers, and to the younger women as sisters in all purity. Verse 3, Honor widows who are widows indeed. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now, she who is a widow indeed, and who has been left alone and has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties, that is, to pray earnestly and to pray night and day. She is a widow indeed. Verse 6, But she who gives herself to wanton pleasures is dead even while she lives. Prescribe these things as well so that they may be above reproach. Verse 8, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works. And if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, if she has devoted herself to every good work. But he says in verse 11, refuse to put younger widows on the list. For when they feel sensual desires and disregard of Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. Verse 13, at the same time, they also learn to be idle. They go around from house to house, and not merely idle, but also gossip and busybodies, talking about things not proper to mention. Therefore, I want younger widows to get married, to bear children, to keep house, and to give the enemy no occasion for reproach. For some have already turned aside to follow Satan. Verse 16, if, if any woman who is a believer has dependent widows, let her assist them. Let not the church be burdened so that it may assist those who are widows indeed. It's a difficult place to go through. 
you know, we live in a time where there's such a politically correctness of our society. And, and, and some of the things we read within the Word of God sometimes can just kind of, kind of move in, 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 a, in a direction that is difficult to, to cope with sometimes. But if we look through what, what Paul is saying to us, he is, he is saying we need to care for the women of our church who are widows, who are widows indeed. But he also tells us, look, make sure you know who they are. Make sure that they're not just people who are, are not truly widows and deeds. And he tells us what that woman looks like. It's an amazing place in Scripture. And I, I, I need to ask your, your assistance. I need to ask you to help pray with me that God will open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things out of this particular place in Scripture. Because as I went through it, I thought, my goodness, my goodness. Teaching this is not going to be very easy. But it's a wonderful place to be as a church, to understand what family is truly like and how we are to love one another. So, Father, we do. We come to you now because we have nowhere else to turn. We have the joy of of marriages, and, and then, Father, we have the, the time of, of praying for loved ones who have passed away. We also have a, the opportunity and privilege to pray for those who are not well. I lift up to you, Karen, right at this time. And I lift up to you the, the Rich family and the Pleak family, Father God. I pray for... Uh, for Wes and Jen, that they are having the time of their life and that uh, they're on this wonderful journey of being a husband and wife, that you will bless them. And now, Father, will you bless us as we study your word? Would you please open up our eyes so that we might behold these things? Move me aside, uh, Father, because, uh, because we want to hear from your heart. So bless us, please, Father, we pray and Jesus' most precious, precious name. Amen. First, verses 1 and 2, Paul tells us how we are to treat those within the family. He talks about the older and younger men and women. As he says in verses 1 and 2, don't sharply rebuke an older man. Rather, he says, appeal to him as a father. And then he says, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters in all purity. Now, we are to treat them, you note very clearly, as family. Mothers, fathers, brothers, and sisters. The word appeal, when it says appeal to them, I believe it means to appeal to each and every one of them. The word appeal there in the Greek is P-A-R-A-K-A-L-E-O. It means to encourage. It means to entreat. It also can be translated to strengthen. I think that's the, the best translation for this. It, to strengthen has the idea of, of coming alongside of this person and hold up the one who is weak. We get the same word or the related word from P-A-R-K-A-L-E-O to the word parakletos, which is the title for the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who comes alongside, inside of us to strengthen us, to guide us into all truth. Same principle. 
In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus Christ says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. That's the Holy Spirit who will be with us forever. On the other hand, as you note in verse 2, when it talks about the younger women, we are to treat them in all purity. Now, we studied last week and we saw the word purity in Greek is H-A-G-N-E-I-A. It means being pure in the area of sexuality, both in actions as well as, as the intent of our hearts. Nothing, absolutely nothing can harm a church more than indiscretions with the opposite sex. Man, it could be as simple as us maybe joking inappropriately or a, a glance that is inappropriate. Women, it could be as simple as the clothes you wear or lack thereof. Proverbs, Proverbs has a great verse about this indiscretion. It tells us, do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelids. I love that. You know, a woman will bat her eyes at you. Oh, my. That's, a, that's, that's where Job made his covenant. He says, I made a covenant with my eyes. I will not gaze at a virgin. Job made a covenant between himself and the Lord. It would be wise for you to do the same. My wife says, I get, I get one glance for free. All the others, no, no other glances do I get. In fact, she knows my heart. She'll say, wow, look, isn't that a beautiful woman? And I say, oh, yeah. She says, that's enough. Okay, I, I saw her. That's it. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. Do not let her capture you with her eyelids. In all purity is the way you and I are to live our lives. Whether it be within the church, whether it be within our families, with, whether it be within our, our marriages. Well, now then, Paul shifts gears. And he goes into the issue of gentlemen, how, how he has designed women and designed that we are to be special care of them, to take special care of them. But if you'll note, when we read through verses 3 and 16, God even placed some limits upon that care for widows. We're to honor, it says in verse 3, widows who are widows indeed. Make no mistake about it. God takes very special interest in the plight of a woman who has lost her husband. In Psalm 68, 5, God says he is the father of the fatherless and he is a judge for the widows. So treat them kindly. In Deuteronomy 27, 17, it says, Cursed is the person who distorts the justice due an alien, an orphan, and a widow. It goes on to say at the end of Deuteronomy 27, 19, And the people shall say, Amen, or so shall it be. To this day, you and I have the responsibility to care for widows within our midst. We are told in James chapter 1, verse 27, that we are to visit orphans and we are to visit widows who are in distress. It reminds me of a, of a, of a time we were here on a Wednesday morning with our men's breakfast. And Pastor Bill knew of a, a woman here at church that, that had her property was overgrowing with uh, with the uh, growth of the uh, 
of the shrubbery and stuff and uh, needed some things moved and needed some repairs. And so a group of the men gathered together and spent a Saturday repairing her home. She came to me and she said, uh, I've never been treated so kindly. That's it. That is exactly what we ought to do with the people of our church. We are to be like family, to treat each other kindly. And so in verse 3, we, are, we see that we are to care for widows who are widows indeed. Now, who is a widow indeed? Well, look at verses 9 and 10. Here is a widow that ought to be put on the list. The list is those with the churches to care for. It says, let a woman be put on the list only if she's not less than 60 years old. In other words, she should be uh, over 60 and she has to have been the wife of one man. That doesn't mean that she's only been married once. It means that, the, that she is now the wife of the man who she is married to. She is his wife and he is her husband. Having, verse 10, this reputation. She's done good works. She's brought up her children. She's shown hospitality to strangers. She's even washed the saints' feet. She has assisted those in distress. And she has devoted herself to every good work. That is a widow indeed. And so as you see, as we read through these 16 verses, there's a lot of common sense. The Word of God becomes very practical. We are known as Christians to be tender-hearted. At least I think we ought to be. And there are a lot of people who have their hand out upon the church. Therefore, we need to be careful. Um, get calls all the time of people who, who've heard of our church and, and, and need some help. They don't attend our church, but they need help. And we need to be careful who we give out hand, our money to. The early church took care of the widows, but they didn't do it in some haphazard sentimentality way. The deacons were to make an investigation. They were to find out who is truly a widow. And they were to see if they had family to help. Look again at verse 4. If anyone has children or grandchildren, let them learn to care for her. They're to care for the widow, not the church. They're not to put the burden upon the church. You see, the church is not obligated to support all widows, but only those who are widows indeed and then paul says in verse 5 now this is a this is a woman who is a widow indeed she has been left alone he says she has her fixed her hope on god and she continues to entreat that means to earnestly ask through prayers day and night for assistance that's a widow indeed but in verse 6 paul says the one who gives herself to want and pleasure, she is dead. That means spiritually dead, even while she is alive. But also note, a widow who is truly a widow within the family of God is one who is, verse 7, look, it says, prescribe these things as well so that they may be above reproach. She is a woman who is above reproach. See, she has the same character traits that, that we have just studied in chapter 3. Same, same character traits as an elder, same character traits as a pastor, a deacon, or a deaconess. That's why I said to you, as we went over these character traits, it, it, we shouldn't look at them just as, as, as for a pastor or just for an elder. It should be all of us. We should all try to, to raise our spiritual walk 
to be above reproach in every area of our lives. God makes it clear through Paul in verse 8 that we are, are to have a very special interest for our own families. I personally love this verse. I, I love the fact that we are to provide for our own families. Look, it says in verse 8, If anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his own household, that one is denied the faith, and that one is worse than an unbeliever. It is important that we care for one another. I, I, I don't have this as a note, so I shudder to say this, but let me just say this because it's on my heart right now, so I'm hoping and praying that it's from the Lord. When I signed the contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers, I signed a contract, and I made more money by signing my name to the contract than my father did his whole life. I made more money on just signing my name to that contract than my dad did working his whole life. And the moment I got that contract, I paid off my father and my mother's home. They, they, they didn't have to pay for it anymore. And I went to uh, where my dad was working. My dad never knew this story. I'm going to tell you something my father never knew. I went to the gentleman that, that employed him, and I said... Um, I, I, um, I want to know how you think my dad does here. He says, oh, he's great. I says, good, good. I says, if you ever think of letting him go, don't. I will pay for his salary. I want you to employ him until he drops because my dad loves to work. This guy's name was Andy. I knew him very well. We were good friends. It still are. And uh, he said, don't worry. He says, your father is uh, an asset to us. It was a bowling alley. And um, I said, well, if ever you think of letting him go, come to me. I'll, I'll take care of his salary. You just let him show up. I hope that wasn't disrespectful to my father, but I just wanted to care for that dear man, for how he cared for me. If anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his own household, He's denied the faith. He's worse than an unbeliever. The last, uh, I don't know how many years, 12 years of my mother-in-law's life, my wife and I completely cared for her. Financially, in every way, put her up in a place where she could stay and cared for her. I say that not to you to brag. I just say it to you that it's the way we ought to live. Folks, we ought to care for our own. Now Paul and the Lord gets very practical about widows from verses 9 to 16, and we'll go through it fairly quickly because there's, it's self-explanatory. Number one, verse 9, she is to be a woman over the age of 60 years old, and she is to be the wife of one man. Verse 10, she is to be godly. She is to devote herself to every good work. Verses 11 through 13, we are to be careful, though, over those who are younger, widows who are younger, Rather, Paul says we ought to encourage them to remarry, not to become idle, not to, be, not to become gossips. In verse 14, it says, I want younger widows to get married. I want them to bear children, Paul says. I want them to keep house. Now, the word keep house is very interesting. It isn't so chauvinistic as it might sound. It, it is a long Greek word. It's O-I-K-O-D-E-S-P-O-T-E-O. It goes beyond caring for the house or caring for the children. It 
It, it, it includes all aspects of managing the home, caring for her husband as well as the children. Most women that I know do such a thing. I know my wife does. Cares for it very well. And then in verses 14 and 15 and 16, it says in verse 14, I want the younger women to get married. I want them to bear children. I want them to do these things. For some, it says in verse 15, have, have already turned aside to follow Satan. In other words, they, they, they became tempted became tempted in verse, look at verse 11, refuse to put a younger widow on the list because they're going to feel sensual desires. In other words, they're going to want to marry again. Encourage that, he says. Encourage them to be married again. And then verse 16 tells of the ministry that older women have. I, I, I love the idea of Older women are to care for the younger women within the church, just like I believe the older men are to care for the younger men in our church. But it says in verse 16, If any woman who is a believer and, and has dependent widows, in other words, knows women around her who are widows and they're dependent, it says, let her, the woman who is a believer, let her assist them, not the church, because the church shouldn't be burdened on everything so that it may assist those who are widows indeed. In other words, the church ought to care for those who really, really need the help for the, any woman or any man, in that case, who is a believer and has someone who is dependent. They should assist them so that the church can do what the church ought to do. That, in a nutshell, is verses 1 through 16. As you can see, it's... It's, it's not the type of verse, like last week I said, if I was going to die, I'd want to preach that, uh, that section last week. I hope I don't have to ever preach this one again. This, is, this was tough because it's pure vanilla. It's just, it's just telling the church what we ought to do. And so I want to encourage you. May I encourage you in this fashion? You people are fantastic. I, I know... I sound sometimes like a coach. Let's go out and get them. We can win this one. But I, I want to say to you, you're fantastic. You do the things that ought to be done. Uh, just this morning, when I get here early for, for before the service, I, I, go, I go into the multipurpose room, and, and, and Barbara and Bob who were in there, and, and they wanted to start up the uh, ministry for feeding uh, homeless people and people who need help and starting up our food kitchen and, she says, have you seen, have you seen my, uh, my I get, what do you call it, the food kitchen? Have you seen the kitchen yet? I said, no, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, she says, it's, it's, she says, it's growing. She said, we've, we've gotten more turkeys already donated. We got more food. We're, we're doing beautifully. She says, but I've already told Larry that be careful. I want to take over the whole back, back uh, place. <laughs> She's got a dream. She's got a dream. And she has said that you people have, have stepped up the place. Someone, I think, gave a freezer. Um, you people are amazing. I thank God for the, you in this church. It's, it's such a wonderful place to worship our Lord together. Last week I was told that, that uh, Searchlight Ministries, the Searchlight Church, had a wonderful start to their church. Again, I won't be able to go today because of uh, 
funeral I have to do it at that hour that they're having church. But you need to encourage them if you see them. Encourage Mark and, and, and their church. Father, we, we have much to be thankful for here. We have a, such a wonderful group of people who really, really have caught the vision of what church ought to be like. I sensed that at the Ochoa's home, how they have opened up their home, Father, so that we could sing praises to you and worship you that Friday evening. Lord, uh, so many people came, and there was such a feeling of joy in that backyard from the Korean people to our own church. Lord, bless us all, please. May we be a church that cares for the widows and those who are in need. Again, I pray for Karen Gilbert. I I ask you to bless her. I know she's in great pain. I pray for uh, the rich family as we bury their mom. And I pray for uh, Kent and, and Debbie. And I pray for Bill and Dolores. Thank you, Father, for our gathering together today. I pray you'll bring us back next week, Father, full of uh, anticipation and joy of what you might teach us. I pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you all. Have a, a great, great day. Thank you for being here today.